Oh my goodness, I'm not even in the right area. That's okay, I'll delete it. Okay. All right. On today's episode, our special guest is here to share what it was like to grow up with an incredibly challenging childhood and to move through that and get to a place where she is as strong as she is today. Coming out of all of those challenges, moving through all those obstacles, of course, you have to find the motivation in order to find your authentic expression and to operate from a heart-centered place. So today, I'm very excited to announce um, our, I'm going to delete that part. Today, I'm very excited to announce Erin. Oh my gosh, Erin, I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name. Stably. Stably, okay. Today, I'm very excited to announce an intuitive mindset, life, and spiritual coach, Erin Stably. So thank you so much for joining us for the Mo Motivation Podcast. Erin, um, why don't you please share a little bit about how, what your childhood was like and how you kind of gotten to where you are today? Well, my childhood really, you know, I remember my anxiety starting at, at about three years old and severe anxiety and my parents divorced kind of, they, their relationship went back and forth for a few years. And, um, you know, by third grade, they finally divorced. And, you know, I just watched my mom, um, try and support my brother and her and I, and, you know, just really just watched her struggle. And I watched, I had to go with her to her multiple jobs. I remember making donuts at two o'clock in the morning for her to have to wake up and go to um, her next job. You know what I mean? And somebody <laughs> must be outside. Um, and um, their, their job was to keep them quiet, but obviously that's not working out. Um, but, you know, so I just remember having to watch my mom um, work multiple jobs and she never complained. She never, you know, she never made it seem like it was a burden or hard, but uh, I felt that burden and I felt how hard it was even at in third grade, fourth grade, you know, those young ages. And I remember doing paper routes at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Wow. And um, I, she put herself through college. I want to say it was like sixth, seventh grade, fifth, sixth, seventh grade um, while still working two jobs. So, you know, she just always um, did what she had to do to provide and she didn't complain. She didn't do those things. And I just remember at that young age, even thinking to myself, I never want to depend on anybody. Even if I, I got married, you know, I wanted to have kids, but I just never wanted to be in a position where I had to depend on somebody else to survive. And mm -hmm. it just really, you know, she died when I was 16. Um, mm -hmm. She had a, so a quick, quick illness and um, it kind of motivated, motivated me even faster more because I really, I had a hard time in school. I, I had a hard time learning. I had a hard time, you know, my brother was incredibly intelligent, got very good grades easily. I did not. I had to study all the time just to kind of pass, you know, and after my mom died, I just put that much more work into graduating high school and I graduated high school early. Um, you know, I started college like the day after I think our, our actual ceremony, but wow. um, I worked two to three jobs when I graduated early so I could save enough money to, you know, to move and to go to college. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really ever a question of, of going to college for me. It was just something that was very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to have to work 12 to 16 hour days like my mom did. You know, that was even with her college degree. She had to work that much. And it was just 
uh, it was just something I didn't want to have to do, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I missed my mom. She wasn't home. She worked so much and yeah. I just wanted to be present for my family and it just motivated me to figure it out. You know what I mean? I never, I never stumbled. I never questioned. I didn't have money to go to college, but I didn't really let that stop me. I just, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I got grants if I could get grants and I worked myself three jobs to put myself through college. And, um, I have two college degrees actually. And I have a lot of hours for a third college degree. So, you know, to me, degrees were something that was just important to me. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, I just, it was just kind of the, the catalyst, I guess, you know, and nobody had to tell me what I needed to do. It was just, I knew what I needed to do. And, you know, I don't, it's hard to describe, I guess, but it, it almost feels to me like you, you, developed a, a story to yourself that you really didn't have a choice like you had to succeed that there was no other option for you that either you would repeat the cycle that you watched your mother go through and, and you didn't want that because you saw how it affected you and you know you wanted more for her you wanted more for you that's very heart-centered and then to to feel growing up like you you don't have a choice you have to do what you have to do in order to get to a place where that reality that your mother had to experience didn't have to translate into your life and your children. And I think that's extremely like humbling and, and it's such a wise way to think, especially, and it doesn't seem that young, but in high school to have that wisdom. Um, one of one thing I've always experienced is that wisdom tends to come from the more challenging experiences. It doesn't always have to, but a lot of wisdom is usually gained when someone, especially a child, goes through very challenging experiences. It comes to this point where they either um, start being self-destructive or they just gain massive wisdom and then apply that wisdom into their lives. And it sounds like you took that route, which is so inspiring to me, you know, coming from a very different background. So I think, I think um, you described it very well. I really got the feel of just how fast paced and how busy you kept yourself in order to get to that finish line, in order to get to that goal line. And then even once you got to that goal line, it sounds like you made another one because you wanted more, you want more. And that's, I think, you know, that is something that your mother in, maybe not intentionally, but inspired within you because she was motivated. She was, you know, even though it was difficult for her, she still put in the effort. She still put in that work. She still made what she could happen so that she could provide for you and your family. And that takes a lot of internal motivation. And that seems very just coming from a place of you don't have a choice and that's so humbling to to hear about and to see how it's translated into such power and such strength it's a very um clear embodiment of the divine feminine to take that martian or that energetic power and say i'm going to create something for myself i'm going to do it i'm not going to depend on anybody not meaning you know i don't want to have a, a lover or a person that i can count on in my life but that you don't need to i think especially having that idea as a young woman it translates into just such a beautiful beautiful role that you now hold in your children's lives and, and in lives that you share your story with so um, that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, what it was like for you in high school? Because 
that's a lot to, you said you had, you graduated, not only did you lose your mother very young, you at 16, which is in high school, you also had two jobs, was it two or three jobs? And then you graduated early. I, I can't even imagine having that many plates spinning all at once and not letting any of them topple down, especially your emotional um, stability. Can you tell us more about what that was like for you? Yeah, so my mom, she actually got sick February um, 14th of 1995, and then she died March 28th. So she was about an hour away from where I lived. So I would drive up. So I was a sophomore, um, just had my license like maybe a month. So I would drive up here at night, and then I would um, drive home in the morning to go to school. And, you know, kind of at that at that point, I was just kind of like, uh, whatever, you know, I was just kind of like, mm, school's just not that important to me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she, she passed pretty quick, you know, within five weeks. So after that, I would say that that rest of that year was very difficult. Um, you know, I had to go live in a new place. Um, it was just, I don't know. It, it was the, the darker time in my life. And it was kind of that, that junior year where, I just remember, okay, if I want to get out of here, I have to get better grades. I have to do more because I had asked for help a lot in school and I just never, nobody ever really took me needing help in school very seriously at school. And I finally just said, okay, this is enough. So I started going to my teachers and I'm like, what do I need to do? I don't, I don't understand this work. I'm not good at writing. I have a hard time reading. Like, what do I need to do? And that turning point all the teachers who kind of had a chip on their shoulder really changed how they treated me because you know in reality they just want the kids to take it seriously as well you know what I mean and when I finally took that step and said I need help you know and and I did work as much as I could but um, the days that I didn't work I would either go into school early I would stay late to get help in the material to um, the books that we're rereading, the reports that I had to write, you know, I'm just not very good with like, like writing and understanding mm-hmm. comprehension. So it just really shifted for me. I was able to understand the material. They gave me a little bit of leeway, like, okay, this is, you know what I mean? They just helped me more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really didn't, I never really liked school. I never really liked high school. I don't like the drama. I don't, it just was not a place for me to thrive. And then um, I want to say it was like halfway through my junior year, they're like, okay, well, you have enough credits to graduate early. And I was like, what? You know, like, like, uh, okay. Cause I, you know, I just, I really didn't like school. And so I started taking a whole bunch of college classes my senior year, maybe the end of my junior year as well. So high school at that time would pay for me to take college classes. So I took about six college classes, some night classes, finished all my high school stuff so that I could start college about a semester ahead of everybody else for free. And um, so I just, my grades just started going up because I just started putting that much more effort into what I was doing. And it's not like the material got easier, but um, the teachers were willing to help me more. You know what I mean? And that's where I learned a very powerful lesson of you have to ask for things that you need. Like, it's not easy for us to admit that we don't, we don't do something well, or we need help, but kind of giving into that. um, Yeah. I need help because I don't get it. 
For sure. Um, they're not going to come to me to ask me if I need help, but you know, that's just not what teachers do. And for me, that was kind of one of those like major life light bulb moments of, and you know, it's something I tell my kids now, like you have to be the one to go to your teachers to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to put in that effort. You have to, it doesn't matter if you're to your boss or your teacher, whoever it is, you know, you have to be somewhat vulnerable and kind of take that step, you know? So for me, it was really kind of the catalyst to, okay, I need to graduate early, you know? So I took all these college classes. I did this, I graduated um, January instead of May, like everybody else. And so that January, I was able to go and get two more jobs on top of the job that I already had. So, um, so that I could save money to move, you know? So I had about six months to, um, one or two more jobs, or I think one of my jobs, I was able to work a lot more hours and then I got a second job. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was really able to save money. So, you know, I could pay for my dorm and I could buy my books and yeah, it gets expensive for sure. Wow. That is, I, I resonate with a lot of that, you know, not liking school. And it's interesting how, um, different experiences in school can still lead to the same perception of it. Cause I had a very, different experience like ever since I was young my brother and I learning just came so easy to us and we didn't really understand why and I I hated school because to me it was so boring it was so redundant and I I didn't want to go faster I just didn't I already understood everything that I was learning and the things I didn't understand I didn't have that need to learn it more I just was able to always do just good enough to pass and move on and go forth without having to ever really study like it's a kind of a funny story my dad I remember when I was in high school I think I was a junior and I was taking some advanced class and I was struggling and he, I was like I have to study for this test I have never studied for a test in my life I have no idea what to do no one teaches you how to study none of my teachers have ever taught me how to study and I'm like thinking now at that point I'm like how do people study? Because I didn't know. And I'm like, I got this far without this knowledge, knowing that my teachers never gave it to me. So how are all of my classmates doing this? Because I know I'm not normal. I know the way my brain receives information and just learns it is not normal. Crap. And I remember that I, that was when I started struggling and it was like, the lack of help really just, I started getting migraines. I started getting anxiety and depression, just being in school. Cause I was still doing okay, but it was the amount of extra effort I had to put in starting in like junior year was just phenomenal. And I didn't really have the same, like, oh, I should just ask for help because I actually had to ask my dad for help a lot when I was younger, just on simple little things. Like, I don't know if I'm thinking about this right. And he would make it so difficult for me. He would go all the way back to the very beginning, you know, like most fathers do. How, what is 10% is 10, 10% of a hundred. And he'd be like, well, here's how percents work. And I'm like, I know how that works. So I didn't really want to ask for help because I didn't want to feel belittled. And that was my experience with asking for help is that a lot of times it just made me feel belittled. I didn't have that positive response of, oh yeah, let me help you. It was always an argument. It was always a fight. And so then I mean, I guess I translated that into my teachers and I thought, oh, well, they're not going to want to help me either. So 
it was really an internal battle for me to just get over that. And the hump I had to get over was much smaller. And so I'm, I'm blessed that I was able to get over it myself and actually take that own internal initiative to just try to learn more. But I remember just like distinctly multiple times questioning how my classmates were doing it because I, I didn't know how to study. And I still, even into college, studying was something that I didn't really ever master. I would just repeat. And it was like that same thing that we learn in schools of just repeat, repeat, repeat. So I had a similar struggle in school and, you know, finding that motivation in college was a lot easier for me. I just felt like college was, it was a new start, new beginnings. Um, and I think it's really important to emphasize that, yes, asking for help, <laughs> like just ask, even if you feel dumb or you feel belittled or you feel whatever you feel, the reward that you would get from asking, even if you have to ask 10 different people only to have one of them come at, pos come at you positively is so much greater than having to struggle through some things like I forced myself to do because I, I can imagine where I would have been had I reached out and really asked my teachers for help because I did it here and there, but it was not enough, you know? So I think it's important to emphasize that that's a great lesson to learn, to ask for help and to, to be able to be willing to receive help and be willing to be vulnerable because coming as an educator, I used to work for an alternative learning center where we taught challenge students from all ages, students that were, I think five, was the young, no, four was the youngest up until I've taught people much older than me. Um, and they're totally intelligent. The, everybody that came in there was intelligent. It wasn't like these kids that are challenged are stupid by any means. I've experienced uh, people with all sorts of different learning uh, conditions and it has nothing to do with their intelligence. It's just about how they receive information and how they process it. So I learned how to actually combat some of those learning um, conditions and actually make it easier for people to learn. And I found that to be incredibly rewarding, especially coming from my background of not having trouble in school like your brother. I, I was like, let me see if I can make this easier for everybody else in the world. So that's very humbling and kind of touches my heart that you could have been one of my students and I could have helped you, but you actually were able to take that initiative and say, well, I know I need help. So let me go out and get it and, and, and prosper because you didn't, you didn't have any other choice. You wanted to be successful. And, and that's, that's really the, the steps for things is you have to first be willing to be vulnerable and accept where you're at and then be willing to go get what you need so that you can take the next steps forward. Um, when you when you graduated high school and then you started college, what was it like? Was there any um, fear around going into not only a new school, but something that is much more uh, independent than a high school is. is. Was there any emotions around that transition from high school to college? Because that's something that you had to create your, for yourself and you just knew you were gonna go. For some of us, it was, uh, do I wanna go? Do I care? And then just doing it for the heck of it. What was that transition like for you? So for me, you know, I just, I, I was just ready to move from you know where I was and I was ready to kind of just start my life and 
you know, even though I was super ready for it, like I kind of got homesick that those first few days and it was kind of that, oh, you know, I had money saved. I had this and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to pay bills. I have to do, even though I'd really been taking care of myself for a while, it was still kind of like that shock because there wasn't really any lessons in, okay, you know, bills are due every month. You have this, yeah. you have that. <laughs> like it, it's kind of that like adult those adult responsibilities kind of slap you in the face. You're like, yeah, surprise life is well, that's kind of a bummer, you know, yeah. like, so I remember having to go to, um, like, like the leasing office. Cause the, the, I, at first I stayed at the door. Well, it's kind of like apartments at the college. Cause it was mm-hmm. a community college. And I just remember having to go give her a big chunk of money and, and it, you know, it was like every month. And I was like, Oh, I remember our roommate, we went to go, um, to the dollar store. I'd never been to the dollar store where I was from. We didn't have one. And I'd never eaten spaghetti. I'd never eaten ramen. I'd never eaten these basic things. And we were kind of splitting the bill on some of that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is all we can afford, you know, but it was, (laughs) it was like, oh, but you know, I started school right away. um, Cause I'd moved, I was starting summer classes and it just really felt like home to me, like Mm -hmm. college, you know, in high school, I probably pulled a 2.8, like, like C plus maybe B minus. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I'll say the first six months of college was rough for me. There was lots of partying, lots of drinking, lots of things I had never done before. Yeah, like all um, of us. I would get off my bar shift at, at, at work. We'd have a party at our apartment. We'd be up till 7am. Like after the first six months, I was like, okay, I can't cause my grades, you know, I'm like, I'm not paying for myself to, to fail out of college, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose to move out. That's why I had to work a third job to, you know, afford an off-campus apartment. And my grades kind of went from failing to A's, you know what I mean? So awesome. it was just a shift that I needed to make for myself. Um, but it just, it felt natural. You know, I, I did, I chose my career because I just remember sitting and thinking, what can I do for the next 40 or 50 years that Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hate, you know, and I'm not going to hate my life. And it was just graphic design. You know, I just really wanted to do graphic design and, um, I never, I never doubted it. I never questioned second guessed it. Um, I just didn't, uh, really, you know what I mean? It was, I never looked back. I, I just made a decision and and went forward with that, which is, super honorable like that's not at all like I love how similar and different we are because that's not something I did at all in college um I I love how like you really took your your motivation and just sustained it so often and so much like your own self-awareness for being that young and young and for college like that's so inspiring. And I hope that for all the listeners that are either um, in high school or just starting college, that that this is something that they really truly hear. Because coming from experience where I didn't graduate with multiple degrees, I have an associate's degree that I forced myself to get, but I didn't have the same, I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to be successful. I did get pulled into the partying and the hanging out with friends till seven in the morning way too often while I was in school, while I was working two jobs, you know, I had that experience. We all, I think a lot of us had to work multiple jobs in order to pay through college, but I didn't honor 
what I, the effort I was making. And it got me to a point much later, which I'll discuss where that motivation wasn't around. And in the years where I could have fostered it, like you did, I didn't. And instead was wishy-washy and, oh, I'm going to go into business. Oh, maybe I'll go into medicine. Oh, maybe I'll go into philosophy. Oh, maybe I'll go into XYZ and went through five different colleges, um, only have a two-year degree to show for it. And I've done a lot since then, but it's all had to be brought to me from the realization that I, I am not doing the right thing and I've been doing the wrong thing for too long. So six months of a rough time in college, I'm, I'm like extremely inspired. Um, that makes me never want to have like six months of lack of motivation ever again, because to be that young and to be able to sustain it and to bring yourself back out of that scene and into that place of I am worth more, I deserve more and I'm going to get more is, is so incredibly inspiring. And I really think that, um, high school and college age people, that's something that they should really latch onto and, and use coming from the opposite experience, coming from the experience of whatever, just do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Just be happy. And that's it. It's really powerful to take life seriously and not saying you didn't have fun, but to take life seriously and actually like move forward with it and get to where you want to go versus just expecting something to happen and expecting that you figure it out. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, when, when you, oh yeah, actually, um, yeah, I think I'm going to cut some of these parts out. I do edit because yeah. So I think I'm going to go into the laugh bath now. So just so you're aware, um, uh, that really just goes to show how healthy motivation truly is our own and our ours only. Um, the company we keep gives the momentum underneath our feet. And we got to really make sure that the momentum and where our feet are going is on our, our direct path, on our path and not on somebody else's or on what we think we want, but actually aligned with our own internal uh, motivation and developing that can be sometimes difficult. So thank you for sharing your challenges, your life experience, and um, how you have just sustained your own motivation because you had to. That's a very simple way to just look at motivation and say, I just had to. I just chose to and I had to. And I love that because it really is that simple. We like to make things more complex than they really are, but it really is that simple to just make that choice. So also awareness of our environment and the company we keep, like I said earlier, it is so important because they can incept ideas into our minds that might not actually be our own, making us think this is what we wanna do instead of what we actually set out to do. Um, and also taking the time on that note, taking the time to cleanse, reset, realign with ourselves and what really truly inspires us to take action, to create that environment, to attract that company that is actually beneficial to us. Um, it's so important to living an authentic and impactful life like you are. So I'd love to go deeper into your experience and talk a bit about how you have transformed your personal challenges in, in your inner work, not only into success for yourself, but also how you now inspire authentic motivation in others. So um, I really want to get to that and I'm excited. But uh, right now we're going to jump into the segment called The Laugh Bath. So for those listeners who are a little bit new, I know how dense and heavy our emotions can get, even when we're just talking on a light note about life's challenges. 
So this segment is an opportunity for you to take a moment to just cleanse yourself and get back into that heart-centered space of where we truly should resonate from at all points. So this segment is an opportunity for you to get us this segment is an opportunity for you listeners to get to know us a little bit more outside of this whole conversation. So today's bubble bath, we are going to play a little game of never have I ever. If you haven't played this before, and if you haven't, I'm a little surprised because I feel like everyone's played this game before at some point. Um, Basically what we'll do is we'll just hold up five fingers and we'll each take turns sharing something that we have never done. So I have never had a llama as a pet, obviously. So if you have, you would put a thumb down or a finger down. And by the end, whoever has no fingers up, um, they that's just when the end game ends. I don't want to say you lose because it doesn't really matter. It's like some of these things are good. Some of them don't have to be. So that's just when we'll finish the game. So whoever gets to zero first, we'll, we'll finish it there. Um, and we're going to keep it clean and motivational. So don't worry if you played it before. Um, yeah, so I'll start. So never have I ever... Uh, Oh my goodness. People are going to hate me for this. Never have I ever really studied for the SAT and I passed. I have to put one down. What do I do? Yeah. If you've studied for the SAT, like more than just what your school made you do. I don't know. I don't know. Tests. I'm so good at taking tests. Like I won't, I won't understand a single thing that someone just said, but make it in test form and I'll probably pass. I don't know why. We should have been besties because I wanted to go to law school, but I knew I wouldn't pass the bar exam. Straight up. And I'm really good at arguing. So you probably could have passed. (laughs) I'll be your ghost test taker. (laughs) All right. So now you say something that you have never done. It can be really anything. Just keep it clean. Never have I ever... That's real challenging when you got to think about it. Yeah, you're like, wait, I've done that. Oh, wait, I've done that too. Oh, wait, I've done that too. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, never have I ever eaten liver. Oh, I, well, is liver worse to liver? I don't know. I'm going to go. It's, got, it's in the name. If it's not, I think I probably still have eaten liver at some point in my life. And I don't think I liked it. It was gross. I highly recommend avoiding liver my grandma loves it though loves it it's like a delicacy i liver and onions when i worked at a restaurant people ate it all the time it was weirdos. so gross weirdos all right never have i ever hmm. i keep thinking of things that i've done that doesn't work um never have i ever owned a macbook or any mac apple computer Oh, I can't say that. I've loaded up on Apple. I'm using one, but it's not mine. And I absolutely hate Macs. They're so confusing. I think it's really honestly just because I'm like a PC girl since birth. Like I've always had PCs. My dad's a computer software engineer. So that's, I, they're always around oh. me, but these Macs, man, I, like you. Yeah. See, so- we grew up with Macs. Like even in second grade, I remember being on a Mac. I remember that too but I never owned Oregon one. Trail you're young so we played Oregon Trail <laughs> on those giant floppy disks 
I remember floppy disks. I remember I'm, those. I'm I remember those. <laughs> I don't think I remember them from my school. I more or less remember them from my dad, like having them by his desk, but <laughs> nope, I didn't play Oregon Trail. I was a little bit jealous because it sounds cool. It was pretty cool. It was the old green, like, yeah, you died of cholera type of oh, situation. Well, let's see. Never have I ever. Gosh, why is it so hard to think of things I haven't done? It's a lot easier when you don't make it so clean. I remember playing this when I'm younger and it was like easy to make it not clean, but let's see. Oh, never have I ever. Oh, wait, I can't say that because I've done that. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say cheated, but I remember I cheated on first grade in my spelling test. So I can't, oh. I can't say that I didn't do that. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> I cheated. Man, I don't remember This when. is hard. I know. Um, oh don't worry like for any of the space that's just like unnecessary I'll just delete it so that it doesn't seem like <laughs> it's hard to think I should have yeah. like pulled the trigger on a few questions ahead of time never have I ever yeah I'm thinking about that would have been good note for next time never have I ever oh my god I don't know why this is so challenging where haven't you traveled to Oh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, let's see. Ooh, never traveled to the West Coast. Oh, that's hilarious because I live on the West Coast. <laughs> I a finger down. Yes, I have definitely traveled to the West Coast. I've lived on the West Coast for five years now. Five years. Oh, now. lucky. It's... Yes, lucky because there's not a lot of snow but it's expensive as heck and the people are not nearly not as nice as they are in the Midwest. <laughs> not nearly. You can't really get that nice though. So, All right, my turn. All right. Never have I ever... Mm-mm-mm. Mm, let's see how adventurous you are. Never have I ever skydived. Skydove? Skydived? No. Unfortunately, no. Oh, then you don't have to put a finger down. Oh. You okay. only put one down if you have done it. Oh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Maybe someday. I was not real exciting. Let's see. Never have I ever... Oh, broken somebody's pumpkin. Oh, oh my gosh. I need to it's think. It's mean. <laughs> that is mean. I don't, I don't think I've done that either. I thought you were going to say broken somebody's like bones. I was like, oh my goodness. I but broke pumpkin. my own. Pumpkin. But no, they like to smash pumpkins around here. So I think it's mean. That is mean. I have never done that. Oh, I might get you with this one. Depending on where you live in Iowa. Um, never have I ever gone cow tipping. I've never actually done it. I've attempted it. Have you gone? It. It's possible. Like, okay. Okay. You can, it's you can possible. do like half I was one. in a vehicle where it tried to, <laughs> tried to happen. <laughs> I, I, no one ever invited me and there was no one in my life that ever would have done that. But I kind of always thought that was mean, but if someone would have forced me along, I might've laughed. I'm not going to lie. Those poor cows, but yeah it's kind it of funny slightly mean but it is very mean i'm not sure if they can get up very easily 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. I don't want to be that mean person. No, no. we're not I mean like people. That's what we've goats. decided. Like you, have you definitely count. want to scare those little things. Cause yeah. they're fun when they tip over. So we're but not mean. Still we have a smash pumpkins. Um, oh, here's your turn. Never have I ever. Dang, your kids really knock a lot of things off the list that you would never think you would ever do, but um, um, man, I don't know why this is so hard. Never have I ever um, oh, eaten cow tongue. Gross. You're, you're not going to believe this, but I actually have. No am way. I, am, I, am I at three or two? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm at two now. Someone will tell me if I'm wrong, but we'll go with that. I've definitely eaten cow tongue. I've eaten it in tacos. In West Coast, they have like authentic yeah. Mexican restaurants, which are so delicious. And I have definitely eaten lengua tacos and they're not great. Like I don't, I I don't order them, but they've been ordered for me and they're not great. They're not terrible, but they're not great. Like you don't really, I didn't eat like a cow tongue. So I didn't like get like the texture of it, but yeah, I've eaten cow tongue. I've eaten cow cheek. Strangely enough, cheek is actually my favorite. It's super soft, but uh, that's the only reason why. But yeah, I've eaten cow tongue. Ew. All right. Never have I ever... Mm-hmm. this is hard okay never have I ever um mm-hmm. I have never kept a fish alive longer than like two months Hmm. Time to think. We lost quite a few for a while there. For me, they were all so quick. And I say two months very liberally, like it was probably a month. <laughs> yeah. That that filter is the death of those fish, man. It, it sucks is. them up every time. But I cleaned it and then one ate the other one. And then he died. They're That's pretty savage. I mean, they're, it's like flies. They don't really have a big life expectancy. Yeah, very true. So maybe I, could, I don't have to feel that bad about it, but I'm a, I'm a Pisces. So I'm like, I should be able to keep fish alive at least. Yeah, I don't know if I've been able to keep them alive longer than two months. That's a, that's a healthy lifespan for a fish. Is it? Okay. We'll go with a month then because I know it was not two months. It was like in and out. I mean, I probably, Probably was able to keep one of the bunch alive for a couple right, months. I'll give you that one. You can keep it. <laughs> I'm at two trying to figure out, oh, I might lose or win. I don't know. Let's see. Hmm. Never have I ever bought a dog. A dog specifically? Well, I mean, I've bought hamsters and fish, okay, but I've never okay, bought yeah. a dog. <laughs> okay. I've never bought a dog either. I've never actually had my own dog. My parents had a dog, but I don't remember that dog. And then they got my grandmother's dog. And now I live with a dog. 
but the dog's not mine and it wasn't purchased by me. So not, never bought a dog. We've got all ours through people not wanting them. So yes, rescue life. I love it. I I've bought a cat, but it was rescued. It wasn't bred. So the adoption fees. Well, it was, well, I mean, I think it was more like, you know how people like they'll have a cat and then, well, maybe this doesn't happen in Iowa. I know it happens in Vegas a lot, but like there's street cats out. So like people will let their cats out and they'll not be neutered or spayed. And then the street cats will impregnate them and then have kittens. So then that's where I got this kitten from is like, he was a street cat and a house cat mixed. So he either would have gone to heaven or another home. So I guess maybe I did purchase him, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, never have I, I have to, never have I ever, um, Is that true? <laughs> I think it's true. I'm going to say it because I'm pretty sure it's true. Never have I ever gotten an A in college. I cannot say that. I got a 4.0. <laughs> oh, that's what actually what I was going to say. I'm going to say that because that is way more accurate. I think I might have gotten like an A minus maybe in like art, but I just technically never... got an A's. If you got a 4.0, that's technically A's. Yeah. So I have never had a 4.0 ever in my life. College, I rocked that 4.0. <laughs> and I'm super proud of you. That's that's a win. That's one where like it's a good thing that you put a finger down. All right. Oh, I meant to. Dean's list is a nice thing to hear. You know what I mean? I don't know what you mean, but my brother does. And I'm so proud Me of you. Me neither. Guys. My brother <laughs> until until I got my bachelor's, then I uh, I, I made the deal. Well, see, you've made it. I just remember my brother telling me, "This college sucks." I actually have to go to class and open a book, and I'm like, <laughs> "He had the same Welcome impression." Of what, I thought that's what college would be like too. I didn't think I was going to have to open up any books or go to the college. I was like, "I can just take the test and I'll be good." And no, attendance matters. <laughs> Anyways, you got one left. I got two left. Almost done. It's your turn. I think my turn. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, never have I ever drank coffee. Oh my gosh, are you serious? I drink coffee all the time. I love coffee. I love coffee. Wow, that's that's pretty healthy of you. My mom drinks it like, if she had any real religion, it would be coffee. She drinks one in the morning and one at night, like every single day of her entire life since I've ever known her. So I picked up that habit very, very young. And I love it. I'll drink it black. I'll drink espresso straight. It's amazing not that healthy for you but amazing <laughs> all right never have I ever hmm never have I ever been to Asia oh nope not me I want to I almost did I'm supposed to go to India but that was before COVID so I'm happy I didn't because I would have been there right when lockdown started. No, thanks. <laughs> it's a good thing that you, you just knew not to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I realized like afterwards hindsight really is 2020. Cause I could have been 
in a way bad situation had I decided to go for more than just one reason. So that was a blessing, but I still want to go to Asia. Yeah. I think it'd be a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. This could be the last one. Uh, never have I ever. Let's see. Thank God for video I'm, and audio editing. <laughs> I was trying to think of like, say I haven't had to like broken anything on the right side of my body, but that's not true. Let's see. That's the only side I've broken things on. Really? Yeah. So I'll, I'll put a finger down for that because I have broken this pinky, which is the finger that I'm putting down for it. So it's very fitting. I broke this pinky in fifth grade. This We had to run around like out, right outside of our door. There was like a little grassy area and we had to do the daily run. So we had to run around that. And I was kind of a chubby kid. So I did not like running in the first place. So I'm running I'm like, and I look over, I turn a corner and this girl that was in my class who I thought was my friend, like we weren't like best friends, but I thought like we were cool. I watch her as I get super close to her, stick her foot out. Like if she was gonna trip somebody, she just stuck it right out there. That's all she did, stood there still, stuck it out. And I tripped and fell and landed on my finger. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. I never did anything about it. I told my mom that she tripped me and my mom worked at the school and nobody ever took any action. Like that girl just got away with breaking my finger. My mom had to pay for all that. I was like, huh, yeah. Man, you should have stood up and punched her in the face. <laughs> I know. I I was not that type of person. I was just more concerned with the fact that like my finger wasn't excruciating. It was all probably all crooked and you're like, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> it was it was just a hairline fracture, but I've never broken like I've only broken my nose much later and that finger. So it was like I was I'm I didn't have a high pain tolerance at that point in my life. I was just like, ah I started crying. Oh. My mom comes from the playground where she was with the other kids and she brings me to the doctor and that was it. And no one said no one said anything to that girl. Nobody. Fingers are the worst too. They just they don't heal well. Or toes. Like I remember uh. running the stairs because I was practicing for track and just kicking, you know, like kicking my big toe. Oh my God. It was black for, I don't even know how long it hurts so bad. You're just yeah, like, you, you can, my you can break just, your toe. Just tape it. All you can do is tape it. I'm exactly. like, okay. and that's all they did for my finger too. And I looked, I was so embarrassed because they had this big, like splint, splint thing and I just looked so ridiculous and I couldn't write. And I was just like, I'm so awkward. And it's, I'm in fifth grade. So I'm already awkward and I'm even more awkward, but I, I didn't, after I left the doctor, I didn't really like realize that like I should say something to this girl I just let it go I don't know that's the type of person I am I guess I don't know let people break my fingers nah I'm just kidding anyways good job you got me to get all my fingers down I am very impressed so now let's go on back and finish it up so I do want to continue talking about what it was like you know our our opposite and very similar at the same time experiences with school with um growing up as you know children with multiple different kinds of challenges within school and without school and tr- getting into this place where we do feel successful. So um, maybe the listeners, maybe you're like me and you didn't grow up with like very challenging time in school or you didn't have a lot of action happen in your childhood really. And 
maybe you're like me and really the only kind of advice you were given was just to be encouraged to be happy and not really any direction, just be happy. And so to me, that's what my parents really encouraged in me. And being as I am now, I'm super thankful because that's really all they cared about was whether I'm happy or not, which is so important to have that as a foundation. However, growing up and realizing that life is a lot more difficult than I thought it was being the lazy kid I was, I wasn't encouraged to be active, which I now realize is very uh, beneficial to the growth of uh, your own motivation, your own ambition, and your own strength, inner strength. So to me, what made me happy was just lots and lots of entertainment. And if I wasn't entertained, I was bored. So I watched a lot of TV. I read a lot of books. I played with toys. I played outside. I went swimming. I was, I would ride my bikes. I would play with my friends, but I never, and I, then I got into social media and computers and stuff like that as old as I got older, but I didn't really have much to anchor to as far as what was motivating me and what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And there was no, also no guidance towards that. It was something where I had to develop that own and own, my own inner guidance to actually realize that not only do I have to choose a path, but I actually have to want to choose a path and not just which one do I choose, but you actually have to do that. And I just thought, and I guess this was all subconscious. I just kind of thought like, I would figure it out. It would just come to me. Just like things came to me in school. I would just figure it out. It would just land in my lap. And that was a very self-limiting uh, subconscious belief because it really did not encourage me. I didn't encourage me to seek beyond for a long time. It wasn't until I got into, like I said, the later years of my high school when things got more difficult that I realized I actually have to take this seriously. I actually have to do something. But even then I didn't take it seriously. I found ways, I found loopholes to get out of it. I too took college classes um, because I was having migraines. I was able to take college classes at home and not have to go to school as often as the other children did. And that also inspired more laziness in me because I am quick to learn. I can just pick it up, take the test and move on. So the online classes I was taking, I didn't study either. I did them in about three weeks towards the end of the semester. I didn't learn anything. I just copied and pasted my knowledge. And that didn't inspire me to go into college with that motivated, I need to do something for myself, or this is what I want to do. I just wanted to be free. I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to be able to give myself the entertainment and luxurious lifestyle that I always wanted, but I didn't want to, I didn't realize that I had to do so much more work for it than I thought. So my journey in, in developing, you know, that came from a completely different way than you did. My journey didn't come from my own realization that I need to do something about my life. It really came from a sense of lack, a sense of I'm lacking ambition. I'm lacking motivation. That's why I've created motivation is because now it's my, this is my channel to, to flow the motivation, to keep it going and to bring people like you who really have been instrumental in inspiring people like me to actually live life to our fullest. So um, later on in my life, after going to five different colleges, after um, really just living kind of a hippie lifestyle, not really doing anything solid or stable, I 
got a job teaching uh, at an alternative learning center. And it was that experience that made me realize like, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. I can't, I don't know what I wanna do, but I need to figure something else out. And while I was mindlessly scrolling social media one day, I saw um, some advertisements for some, from, for some business coaches, for some mindset coaches. And I kind of have been attracted to multiple different kinds of coaches throughout my life. A um, bliss coach, she was amazing. I have never directly really worked with her, but I've had some sessions with her. Um, she's absolutely amazing. And I've also worked with a, a business coach who, where I was at in my business, it was more of a mindset coach. She was a mindset business coach. So those two people really specifically guided me into realize, realizing, making real what motivation was to me. And you, Erin, you are an intuitive um, life mindset and spiritual coach. So you kind of take those two people and you put them into one little beautiful package. And so I'm so happy to be able to talk with you today and kind of not really pick your brain, but also learn about how, how it is that your mind approaches uh, coaching. So um, my gratitude really goes out to people like you and to you specifically. So when I was working with a mindset coach, one of the main things I kept learning was that um, I'll never find motivation in my feelings. I'm a very emotional person, I'm very sensitive. And throughout my life, I was very much so guided just by my emotions and thinking that that was my intuition, thinking that that was my inner guide. But I realized through multiple conversations that my feelings are really just tied inherently toward um, what I know will bring me immediate satisfaction because that's what I was doing as a child was immediate satisfaction. I don't need to do anything as a child. I just need to be a kid, be happy. So I, that's kind of what my issue was is I was just trying to be happy, not realizing that I had to put in actual work. And so I had to do the work to retrain my brain to know that effort always produces reward and immediate satisfaction is, can be very destructive. Yeah, immediate satisfaction can be very destructive. And um, so learning and retraining my brain to put in effort, it wasn't something I was able to do alone. And it is something I keep coming back to in my later years, but it wasn't something I was able to do or learn alone. And as I experienced more of what it's like to put in effort, I realized that sometimes the reward can also come as a failure. So even that offers a path where your spirit can be developed, your spirit can become more aligned, where you're not just putting in effort because you think it's right, but it actually becomes aligned with your spirit and you actually move from a heart-centered place to take action more directly on your intended path. Obviously, you know, the co coaching worked. Coaching worked for me. I'm a testimony that coaching works and it's very helpful, especially for people like me that didn't have the life coach that really life was for you. Life was a coach for you. It, that own inner dialogue you had was your own coach. And now you get to share that with all of us. So I have successfully benefited from a mindset coach and from a spiritual coach, but I'm not one myself. I will never claim that I am because I don't have the real experience, the authentic experience to bring me into that state. So I love to be able to communicate with coaches like you, Erin, and I want to hear more from the perspective of a coach like you, who would have been working with someone like me, who just lacked ambition. I really just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And everything I tried ends up failing or I end up quitting because I'm just not actually interested in it. What advice would you have given me? 
So I like to look at the approach of, it's not that you lack anything. It's not that you haven't had experiences. It isn't that your experiences aren't valid or important. It's just that you're moving on to the next thing because your satisfaction hasn't hasn't hit fast enough. That's why we have addiction. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, I have had gastric surgery, you know, there's alcoholism in my family. There's, there's lots of immediate gratification things in our life, you know, between Mountain Dew is kind of my trigger. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's those things in our life that, you know, we're not losing the weight we want to lose. We, our mindset hasn't shifted. Our, mm-hmm. our traumas haven't healed. We haven't moved past these things. And it's really, so I use my intuition, my spirit team, your spirit team, and we kind of customize it to what you're going through. So if you're really struggling with that moving forward and staying on task, like we really dig into why, like, are you really bored with what you're doing or is it just, you're not getting the satisfaction? Well, is that satisfaction because of something from today, from a past life, from your childhood? What is it that is what experiences were holding you back? What are you going back to? So what I find a lot is, you know, and this is a lot of the deep work that I done have done for myself and I still continue to do. You're never a hundred percent healed. You're never a hundred percent better. You're never a hundred percent not needing to heal or to recognize your patterns or, or to understand healing is a lifelong process, but we can look at where you're at right now and say, okay, so how many times have you tried this shift, you know, you're, you're, I'm not, I'm going to live for today. I'm not going to keep having my anxiety take me tomorrow, you know, like have these patterns and things happening. And we start looking at that, like, okay, so what is happening in your, in your life right now? What are you kind of going back to that you've struggled with? Where, where is it that, you know, you keep kind of shifting to these different things? Is it really because you're not, it's not grabbing your attention or is, is it not fueling your soul? So what it usually comes down to is it's not burning in your soul. Like, oh my God, this is exactly, I knew graphic design was my thing. I knew, you know, marketing management was my thing. I know intuitive life mindset and spiritual coaching is my thing. Like I don't second guess it. So if, if you're teetering on, oh, I really like this and I could make good money at it. But if you're not feeling that burn, like this is what I need to be doing then it's okay to move on to something else. It's okay Mm -hmm. to explore other options. It's okay to say, you know what? I tried and I I don't like it Yeah. or it's not for me or it's just just not my, you know, it's not my thing and it's okay. And I think we have to be okay with ourselves and saying that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to Mm -hmm. not want to do it. Even if we invest money in college and you're like, man, I hate this career. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say that it's okay to not have that career, even though you're paying for your college degree, you know, it's, we are the leaders of our life. We are the only ones that can choose to heal, to move forward, to make changes. And you can see as many coaches, therapists, you know, relationship people, whoever you want, but you are the only catalyst. You are the only person that can choose to change your patterns, to change your habits, to change your routine, to change your mindset, to not allow the past to affect you any longer. You know, we have to be the leaders of our ship really. And sometimes it's a hard thing to hear. Like, you know, sometimes you just have to tell people, look, either you're ready to move forward or you're not, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you use your intuitive skills as well. So a lot of times, even before I work with people, I know that they're not ready to do the work. They're not ready to let go. They're not ready to heal. They're not ready to bring up the past and let it go and to cut the cords of it. 
They're just not ready. Even though they think and feel that they're ready. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just, you just know. For sure. It's like they want to be ready. And that want is a good first step. But to actually become ready, you have to do the work first to make that transi- transition, close that gap between want and embody. Um, definitely. That's something that my first mind, or I think she was the only mindset coach I worked with. That's what basically she told me. And that's really what pulled me out was it's okay to, to think that this is what you want to do right now. And the work that when you put the work in and realizing that you don't really resonate with it, it's okay to just stop. And as long as it's not your only source of income, it's okay to completely stop and just reset and go deeper into yourself and look into yourself and really figure out what it is that you want to do. And when she told me that I have since started many projects that I have just completely like, I don't care about those anymore because it has transformed into what I'm doing today. And that's really how you can see that it doesn't really matter. The failures are not really failures. They're just lessons. They're just moments for you to say, well, that wasn't the right one. So let me either tweak that or just completely throw that in the trash and start something new because every moment, you know, every moment is a new chance to take a different action. Every moment is a new chance to want to do something different. And as long as, you know, we're able to check in with ourselves and feel whether the burn's there or not, then we can, from that place, that's when we can move forward. That's, it's really interesting to me how you, um, how you talk about that and how it becomes like that fire, how that's how you kind of guide them. Like, do you feel a burn when you do this work? If you don't, if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel motivating, it probably isn't. And there's probably a reason why. And to look into that, is it because this isn't what you want to do? Does it just not resonate? Is it something that you're just not doing right? You know, your conversation about how you look into that with your clients is very, very closely linked to what I experienced and how I was able to pull myself out of, I'm never going to be successful because I can't settle on one thing, which is a common um, millennial and Gen Z problem. We're constantly thinking about something else to realizing that like, I don't have to settle for one thing. I can take all, all of what I like and bring it together and put it into something that really does resonate with me and embodies what it is I want to put out there. That's really, that's an awesome way to give guidance. I love it. Um, sorry, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't misspeak. So yeah, I, I think um, for all the listeners that are considering making that next step, taking that next step to either just finding that fire within themselves or just taking action to see whether the fire comes or for those who are not quite sure what to do or what to start or how to start or how to just bring that motivation. I think it's very important that we acknowledge to ourselves and to each other that it is okay to ask for help and it is okay to seek that help. And there are people like you who are offering that help and by working together we're not only helping ourselves but we're helping each other it's not just a oh i'm just doing this for myself it's i'm investing in somebody who i truly believe in because i've seen her past and i've seen where she's come from and how she has brought herself out of the darkness and into her bright radiant light so 
for those who are listening that are considering a coach or are considering taking the next step in furthering their life or developing um, developing their own motivation, I, I really think that you are an amazing coach. I think the advice you gave me, it still rings true today. And it's definitely something I still needed to hear and will need to hear just about every day. And we have not had a coaching session. So it's not like you really know my situation. You just, you've been through it. So you kind of know what the ropes are and it's not going to be that much different for each person, just using what you teach us to apply or using applying what you teach us, you know, and using that to, to, to further ourselves. Erin, you're, you're truly an amazing coach. I believe it. I see it. And it's clear that your work really stems from your, that inner work, which is the first step to our, our futures. And the results are astounding. You are such a confident and, and radiant person. And I feel that you really do embody that mindset, that life, that spiritual essence of what it means to be successful and what it means to stand in your power. Um, so how can our listeners find you if they want to learn more or to book a coaching session with you? Yeah. So um, my website is vintagemoons.com and on Instagram, it's vintage moons, Aaron, E-R-I-N. And Facebook, I do have a private free group that, you know, if people kind of want to I, you know, we kind of talk more, more spiritual things. And sometimes people, if they're just kind of starting their path, um, you know, they may be hesitant. They don't want other people to see, you know, talk about what they're experiencing or whatever. So it is a private group. Um, it is vintage moons and there's also a Facebook page and I also on Pinterest. So it's all vintage moons. Um, and I do have a podcast as well, the spiritual badass. So it's all over. Marketing is my day job. So, you know, that, that stuff is pretty easy for me. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love that name. How did you come up with the name? Vintage Moon, um, Moon has always inspired me. Um, I actually grew up next to a lake and I just always would go to the lake and the moon um, was just no matter how kind of hard my life was, I could always just go sit out the moon and just really have um, like a comfort. And, you know, I do a lot of work in past lives and a lot of our our stuff is kind of tied to our past lives so it's just mm -hmm. vintage to me was just you know once again the marketing you don't have to have your name in anything you do you know it's yeah. it's all kind of the back end so yeah. to me vintage moons was just that was important for me so awesome I love that I can totally feel your heart and the inner child in you and it brings me into even that own ex my own experience of feeling challenged and going out there and being able to sit with the moon and just observing and feeling the reflection of that light that we don't always get to see because it's sometimes dark. Um, beautiful. I love it. I was about to ask you a question and then it slipped out of my mind and I don't want to not ask you this question. What was it? Oh, yes. Can you, for before we leave, I would love to um, get a little insight as to what, what, past lives is for those listeners who aren't really familiar or maybe are kind of skeptical about past lives. Can you share a little bit about what that work is and how you do, how you do that, how you reach in there? Yeah. So for me, past life, um, you can go through the Akashic records and I use the Akashic records. That is your personal kind of history book. Mm -hmm. um, I really only use the Akashic records if we need to clear something that's very deep and spirit guides me. Otherwise, for me, past lives flash really quick. So our souls are our souls. Our human self is our human self, but our soul has had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And all of those lifetimes hold kind of pieces and parts in, in our in ourself today. So 
things that could have happened to us in a past life. You know, if you keep working on this issue in this lifetime and nothing you do gets a better medication therapy, nothing you do is healing those wounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, when I work with people, it's pretty quick for me to know, like, this is not a, you know, this is not only a today issue. I can Mm -hmm. quickly go back. So what I do is I'll kind of cut those cords. Um, But anytime I work with people, whether it's one session or, or an extended time, um, I kind of do the spiritual stuff and spirit guides me on how they also need to do the work. So, um, you know, if it's relationship issues that you keep having, you keep having the same type of relationship with a person, narcissistic, whatever it is, you just fall into this pattern. You can't break, you know, we kind of Mm -hmm. look into your past because a lot of times it's kind of tied. So it's not a curse and it's not like those witchy type things. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's these cords kind of from the past. They Mm -hmm. just kind of stick with your soul. It's not like you can really see them or feel them, but usually you can feel those cords break when I do the work. And then spirit gives me stuff for you to also do, you know, you Mm -hmm. also have to kind of work on your self-esteem and knowing your worth, that you're worth more than having these relationships. You're worth more than being held back. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's a combination. It's not just me always doing the work. It's, it's me helping you in your process to give you the tools, you know what I mean? So that you can Mm -hmm. heal and move forward and, and recognize, okay, this, this keeps coming back into my life. You know, that's, that's how I work with people is like for my process. Now I know, okay, I got really triggered today by this person. Was this comment against me? Was this comment meant to hurt me? Was this comment valid? You know, I have this process of going through things that used to really kind of destroy my, you know, make, give me panic attacks, my anxiety, my depression skyrocket. So it's just really working to eliminate that stuff for people, you know, and I'm not a doctor. I don't cure things. It's, it's just a combination of us working together and you allowing yourself to heal and you allowing yourself to let go. And, um, you know, healing is a process. It's a big process, you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, we're never healed, but we can make the way that we react to things that have happened in our life to a point where they don't control us any longer. You know, like, oh, I remember that time. I remember that feeling kind of bums me out for a couple of days, but for me, I'm not living in days, weeks, months of depression and anxiety from one interaction like I used to. Yeah. You know, to me, that's just freeing to not have that burden anymore. Yeah. That's powerful to not live with, like you said, live with the depression for days, weeks, months after just one interaction or one situation that, because triggers sometimes, I don't think people, including myself, I don't think we always realize when we're triggered and how, how that trigger, it doesn't just affect us in the moment, how if we don't address it, it can carry on for way longer than it needs to. When you, the way you talk about past lives actually reminds me a lot of the yoga philosophy of some samskara, I believe, where uh, it talks about those imprints in our mind. And um, one of the great, one of one of my favorite images is this picture. If you can imagine a lake, a very clear lake with the sand on the bottom, and you've dug all these holes. <laughs> All these holes are dug. All those holes are those imprints, that, that samskara of the past lives, the things you've experienced, the emotions you experienced in a past life, anything that really you've experienced even in this life, but relating even all the way far back to anything you haven't healed from the past lives creates those holes. And you can't just 
flatten it all at once. You can't just make it regular and normal, quote unquote, right away. You have to go and you have to slowly fill in each hole. So those deep holes are all the negative things that are holding us down, like depression or bad habits, like smoking um, cigarettes or, um, or drinking alcohol, you know, those things are, they create this little dip if they become bad habits. You can't just stop. I mean, some people do, but it really doesn't just end like that. We have to slowly fill it in with new good habits. So taking that and seeing in past lives, we've had all these emotional signatures that are cores that are carried through and into this life. We can't just cut it and say we're done or have somebody else cut it and say we're done. It's fine. It's better now. We actually have to take action. We actually have to do work. And it doesn't mean we have to be physically busy, but we have to actually sit with the emotions and we have to actually address them when they come up. And the next time that we experience an emotion or a trigger, we do have to step back and, and have that awareness and go through that list of questions for our inner dialogue to say, am I going to react properly? Because sometimes, you, like you said, we might, we just don't react properly. And some of those past lives things, I think some people that I have had experience with, they take the past life and they make that so real that it becomes their current life and it just consumes them. And they're not able to actually heal from the past life because they're so caught up in the fact that they're revealing something about their past. And I think that's great work that you do to be able to work with people to move past that and into, into that freer space within ourselves. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. And I believe you do amazing work. So all those links will be in the summary for everyone to check out. Um, you can just find Vintage Moons on pretty much all platforms, which is amazing. And your podcast, Spiritual Badass, which is a very great name. I love it. And that's all for today. So thanks so much, Erin. We'll talk Thank to you, you later. Thank you. I'm just going to stop recording.